Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading in the Gospel of Mark. You may be seated. We begin with a word of prayer. Almighty Father, we give you thanks on this wonderful morning that you have gathered us to hear your word and receive your gifts. And Lord, we thank you that you have sent your Son, Jesus, to us to be our Savior. And we pray today, Lord, that you would give us your Holy Spirit so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a significant problem in my house, and I know that I shouldn't be bringing up my own personal issues here in the sermon, but nonetheless, here we are. Uh, I have this big problem at my house that has to do with a vegetable peeler. You know what the vegetable peeler is? Like you have a little handle here and you peel your carrots or your potatoes, or if you don't like the skin on your apples, you can peel it off. I got a problem with this, this peeler. It's never put back in the same place, all right? So sometimes I will go to get this peeler and I find it in the knife drawer. But sometimes it's not in the knife drawer. Sometimes it's with the spatulas. And sometimes it's not with the spatulas because it's with the cutting boards. Or sometimes it's not with the cutting boards because it's still on the counter and I don't see it until I've looked in all three of those other places and I say to my wife, where is the peeler? And she's like, it's right in front of you. And then I see it. We've all been there. <laughs> now I know what my kids are thinking right now. My kids are thinking, well, it's your fault. You're the one responsible for putting the peeler away. And that's true. So here's the thing. I don't know where it goes, let alone where to find it. Okay, this is the problem. I don't know the place for the peeler. It seems to me that it kind of belongs everywhere. Now, why am I talking about this? Because I think I, I got, I want you to go with me on this. I got an illustration. This reminds me <laughs> of our gospel reading this morning. So, so go with me on this. Imagine your life like a kitchen, all right? Your life is like a kitchen. And in this kitchen, Every aspect of your life has a different drawer. So you got the church drawer, right? And you've got, you've got the, uh, the home drawer, and you've got the work drawer, and you've got the family drawer, and the personal life, and the fun drawer. You have all these different drawers for every aspect of your life. Now, here's the question. Which drawer does Jesus belong in? Oh, yeah, that was cheesy. I know. I'm, I'm aware. All right. Which drawer do you put Jesus now, the answer, the easiest answer right away is the church drawer. That's where he belongs. We like Jesus in the church drawer. We like him as a part of that corner of our lives. But too often, we want to leave Jesus there. But here's the problem with Jesus. He refuses to stay in that drawer. Jesus gets out. And he goes to all the other aspects of your life. And Jesus comes and enters into every aspect of your life. Because here's the thing. Jesus has, become, has come to be the Savior of every aspect of your life. He didn't come to correct one small corner of your existence. But the Lord Jesus, he's come for all of you. So he refuses to stay in his corner. <laughs> he gets out. And he demands control of the whole kitchen. The whole thing belongs to him. In fact, I think that's exactly what we see Jesus teaching us today as we come to our reading from the Gospel of Mark. That Jesus, as he has come into this world, has come not just to be the Savior of 
the church, that is to sort of correct what's gone wrong in that institution, but he has come to be the savior of the entire world. Not just every aspect of your life, he's come to be the savior of the whole show. So every part of creation, Jesus sees, is corrupted, it's broken, it's harmed by sin. And so Jesus has come to redeem and restore all of it, because all of it needs saving. Now, he begins this saving work in our reading today, at least in the first chapter of Mark. I think he begins this saving work, this sort of reclaiming of the world. He does begin with the church. And, and this is what we saw last week. If you were with us last week, you heard uh, this message about how Jesus went to the synagogue one day and he drove a demon out of a man who was possessed there in the synagogue. That synagogue was the place for the preaching of his word and he was taking that place back. And I think he begins there in that synagogue. We can think of it like the church. He begins in, this, in the church because that's ground zero for the work of Christ. In fact, the church, you can even think of the church this way, the church is the first institution that God made when he created the heavens and the earth. So, so think about this. When God created everything, he created Adam and Eve to be sort of the chief people of his creation. He gave them authority over the creation. But he established a relationship with them. A relationship where they would hear his word, where they would receive his gifts, and they would be guided by his will. This was what we call the church, that relationship that we have with God that he instituted with us. So God came to Adam and Eve and he said, look, here's this garden that I am giving to you as a gift for free. Take and eat. This is the garden given for you. And then he says, look, over here is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that tree. That's my tree. It's holy. It's set apart. It belongs to me. So that before sin came into the, into the equation, Adam and Eve would see that tree. They would not eat from it, but they would see it and worship God. They would remember that he was the one who had given them all of these wonderful things. So they would receive these gifts and they would respond with prayer and praise towards God. The church was instituted. The church was established. That's what the church is for now, where we come and we hear God's word in this place. And God welcomes us to a meal and he says, take and eat the body and blood of Christ given for you. He comes to us in this place to tell us the good news that our sins are forgiven that Christ Jesus died for you. The church is the place where we hear God's gifts, we receive his promises, and we are guided by his will. But we all know what happens in this. The, the devil comes along. Satan gets into the pulpit and he leads Adam and Eve away from the word of God. And he seeks to destroy the church. And he was... And did pretty well with this. That's why I think Jesus, when he begins his ministry here in the Gospel of Mark, begins his work in the synagogue by casting out a demon. Because he's driving the devil out of the church. He's restoring the church to be the place that it's supposed to be, where he speaks his word freely and his people receive his word faithfully. So Christ has come to restore the church, to bring you the forgiveness of your sins. But when you come here, he speaks and you hear. He guides and you follow. He forgives and we pray.
That's what the Lord is doing. And we like him here. And we want to keep him here in his drawer. It's great when Jesus is at church. Isn't that nice? And if we can just leave him there and he doesn't bother us the rest of the week, that's totally wonderful. But here's the thing. He won't stay there. Because as Jesus looks out the doors of the church, he sees the whole world has been corrupted by the preaching of the devil. So Jesus gets out to do some saving work. And the next place he's going to go is to the home. To your home. Listen to what happens in Mark's gospel. And immediately Jesus left the synagogue and he entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her and she began to serve them. So there's Jesus getting out of the church drawer and going into Peter's house. Because Jesus saw things weren't right in Peter's house. Peter's mother-in-law was suffering with a grave illness. It's the consequence of sin. Now, now understand what I mean by that. I don't mean that Peter's mother-in-law did something bad and so now God was punishing her with an illness. What I mean is that sin has wreaked such havoc on the creation that it has not only broken our relationship with God, not only does it harm our relationship with each other, as we'll talk about here in a second, but sin even wrecks our bodies. The wages of sin is death. So that when we're dealing with illness and sickness and all kinds of diseases, we're seeing the negative impact that sin has had on the creation. So Jesus looks into the home of Peter and he looks into our homes and he sees the work that's being done by sin there and he will not have it. Because sin is bringing division to the home. Sin brings sickness into our lives. And Jesus invented the home. He instituted the household to be a place that is the opposite of that. The household was to be a place of love. The household was, in, was created to be a place that brought forth life in which people thrived and supported each other and loved one another. So again, go back to the garden. There in the Garden of Eden, God made Adam and Eve, and he gave them to each other. Male and female, we're told, he created them, and the two would become one flesh, and they would bring forth children, and the household was established. The point of the institution was companionship, love, and in our own day, we can say when the Lord wills it, also still the bringing forth of children. The church is, or I'm sorry, the house is to be a place of love, of joy, of comfort, a place of living and thriving together. Thank goodness none of us have any opposite reaction to that when we hear that story. It's not how it works, is it? See, when Satan became the preacher for Adam and Eve, they began to follow his word and guidance. And that's what brought sin and sickness and death and division. And our families are dealing with all of these things now. Our families are dealing with frustration and enmity. Divorce is rampant, almost just sort of, we, we don't even think much about it in our culture anymore. The disobedience of children towards their parents has almost become a virtue in our culture. Disobeying and disregarding authorities is what we're told we're kind of supposed to do. What's more, this institution that was created to, to bring forth companionship and love and harmony is falling apart. I just saw a headline the other day that said, I can't remember if it was in California or just San Diego County. I don't 
recall exactly which, but it's said there uh, that loneliness has become a significant problem, a medical issue in our community. The house is full of sorrow. What's more, as we see with Peter's mother-in-law, we're dealing with people in our lives who are dealing with all kinds of sicknesses and illnesses. And this brings fear and uncertainty and sorrow. Sickness ultimately will always end in death, not sooner than later. But death is something we simply can't avoid. And Jesus sees all of it. So that's why he's not going to stay in the church when the wages of sin are taking their toll on the household as well. So the Lord Jesus gets out of his drawer and he comes into your house and into your situation. No matter how broken or sick or painful, he's come to take you back, to restore your life and make all things right. He starts with the word of forgiveness. He starts with the word of repentance and forgiveness. So he looks at you today and he sees your household and he says, you know, there's problems there. And here's the reality. You might be the one causing the problems. You might be the one that's breaking the house apart with your cruelty or your manipulation. And if that's you, the Lord Jesus looks at you today and says, I will not abide by that for very long. I will not allow you to continue to harm those that I love. So now is the day for you to repent. Turn back to me. I can yet heal this. I will forgive you and I will restore this. Repent and turn to me. You might be the one in the house who has suffered under cruelty, who has been manipulated and harmed by someone else. The Lord Jesus looks upon you today and says, that wasn't me. I look on you with nothing but love and mercy. Come into my arms and I will hold you tightly in the palm of my nail-pierced hand. You are my precious child. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. You might be someone here this morning who in your house, you're dealing with illness. Someone who is who is dealing with a sickness that just doesn't seem to go away and only seems to get worse. And these come in all kinds of forms and sizes for us these days. The Lord Jesus looks upon you and says, this will not last forever. Yes, we can pray for healing now and sometimes it will come. Sometimes we have to wait till the resurrection. But Jesus says, I will heal and I will ultimately and finally make all things right. I can even use this disease to draw you closer to me, and I will do it. But trust me, I will make it right. And I mean, really, this is where Jesus is going, isn't it? To make even the world right, even our bodies right, and this is we see what we see in the resurrection. And for those of us today who are mourning because of death, who are missing those that we love, the Lord Jesus looks at you today. I mean, you want to talk about Jesus getting to a place into a, a place we don't expect to find him. He gets out of his drawer and he goes <laughs> into the tomb so he can beat us there. And then when we die, greet us there and say, you know, I don't like this place for you. I'm calling you forth from it. And we're going to walk out of this grave alive and you will be alive together with me forever. And he promises us the resurrection of the dead. Jesus comes into your home and makes it a place of forgiveness, of healing, of hope, and of love. 
But he won't stop there. There's a whole world out there. So Jesus comes to, to, to restore the church, to heal the home, and now he's breaking out into the world. Listen to what happens next in the text. The whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. And then a little later it says, and then he said to his disciples, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. So Jesus, he gets into the neighborhoods, the communities. He goes off to the neighboring towns because he looks out the window of Peter's home. He looks out the window of your home and into your communities. And he sees a world that is suffering and oppressed and bitter and dying. He looks into your workplace and he sees your coworker or your boss whose, whose life is just crumbling at home. And it makes it difficult to work with them, but they just need one person to come along and speak some kind of word of kindness to them. He looks into your neighborhoods and he sees that neighbor of yours, you know, the one who hasn't spoken to their kids in years. And he knows that they need somebody to come along and encourage them, invite them over for dinner, laugh with them a little bit. He sees that family at your little league, you know, the single parent whose spouse left them with the kids. And he sees how they just need a babysitter for the weekend. They just need a night off. They need someone to come along and help drive the kids around. The Lord looks and he sees these people in need of love and in need of healing. And so he decides to go there to help them. But here's the thing. He's not going to do this in some mystical, spiritual way where he floats around and shows up at Little League practice or something like this. Notice what he says to the disciples today. Let us go to the next town. He's bringing his disciples, that's you, bringing you with him. He won't let you stay in your own drawer either. He's taking you out and bringing you along so that you can bring his words of life and his works of love into the lives of everyone he has given you to care for. I, I do love that verse that we read today where it says, Jesus would not permit the, dem uh, the demons to speak for him, uh, to, excuse me, to speak for they knew him. He wouldn't let the demons speak because they knew him. He's silencing the demons. Why? So that maybe they could, the people could hear you instead. He's shutting the demons up so you get to be in on the fun of going around and telling the people the good news of Jesus, of bringing love and life into this world of darkness and hopelessness. You see, Jesus is getting loose and he's taking you with him. He's taking the creation back. He's starting with his church, he's getting into your homes, and he's getting out into the community so that everyone we come into contact with may know the goodness of his mercy and the hope that we have in his love. Jesus won't sit still. He is on a mission to save all of creation. Now next week we're going to get into the transfiguration of Jesus. And then following that, the season of Lent, which will take us to the cross. And it's there that we will finally see how Jesus accomplishes his purposes of saving the world. When he dies for the sake of the world, and he rises again for its justification. There is where he is going, so that you would be saved, and you are. So that you would be forgiven, and you are. And now he's taking you with him to the rest of creation, so they too will know the hope that we have together in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the mercy that you have had on the entire creation. 
and that you have seen fit to include us in that mercy. Lord, we pray that you would bring people into our lives, or maybe say it this way, that you would place us into the lives of people who need to know the hope that they have in you. Make us bold and confident to share this good news, all the while, Lord, knowing that our sins are indeed forgiven, and we belong to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.